Welcome to Larpender Life, the podcast about HP St. Paul in the 80s and 90s. I'm your host, Dave Carey. I didn't have any real skills, so management worked out well for me. He chose me off a a spreadsheet because he thought I was Korean-American. Well, thank God uh, uh, no one sued me after. This is episode number 22, and today my guest is Dan Lee. If you missed any of the earlier episodes, you can find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, here's my discussion with Dan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Larpenter Life. Um, I'm happy to invite uh, Dan Lee into the uh, audio cast here today. Dan, welcome. Thanks, Dave. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. How and when did you first get connected to HP? How'd that come about? Uh, I grew up in in Northwest Indiana. My dad was the CEO of a of a big industrial contracting company, and I worked there on and off through college. And then uh, I started full time there after I, I got my undergraduate degree, and quickly realized that uh, building steel mills and water wastewater treatment plants wasn't the career that I wanted to have. So <laughs> I, I was fortunate enough; I had the resources, so I I went full time to get my MBA. And as I finished up there, I had a couple job offers when a um, recruiter called me from Chicago and he says, hey, we've got an opportunity that looks like it fits your resume pretty well. Uh, Would you like to come up to Chicago and and interview with Hewlett Packard Company? And I had heard of Hewlett Packard only because I had an undergraduate statistics professor who spent the first half of every class playing with his his scientific HP scientific calculator <laughs> and talking about what he figured out the night before with his calculator. So I, uh, I took the uh, opportunity to go interview and I went up to Rolling Meadows. This was uh, 1981. And I interviewed with the hiring manager, Ron Dopke, great guy. And then Ron took me over to meet Jim Fife, who was the area finance manager, I think was his title. And I knew right away when the conversation, the questions that Jim asked me were about, well, how do you like Chicago? And uh, uh, what's your family like and all this stuff? So I knew I was in. And the next day I got an offer and decided to take it and and ignore the other two offers I had gotten. So how did you make your way from Rolling Meadows all the way up to St. Paul? Yeah, well, my first real field assignment, they sent me to Indianapolis, which was great because I uh, had gone to undergraduate school in in that town, and I was there for a little, maybe two years, I think, when an opportunity came my way uh, that Ron Doppie said, hey, Mark Machad is leaving his job up in St. Paul, and it was a promotion for me to take uh, that job. Do you want to interview for it? So I thought long and hard because I had just bought a house a year prior to this. And so I, I, I 
told my wife at the time, I said, look, this is a good opportunity. She had never been north of Chicago. I said, um, don't worry, we'll go to St. Paul for a couple of years and then we'll end up back in Chicago, you know, because Chicago was the, the the mothership at the time for the Midwest, right? And and so I went up and and I uh it was a late October uh day, a day late in October, and it was unseasonably warm. So I went back home after the interviews telling telling my wife that eh, it's not cold up there at all. This is gonna be great. And lo and behold, the first uh about a month or so later when I first flew up there to start uh, uh working temporarily, I got off the airplane, it was minus 30 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's how I I got here and and uh I'm still here after uh 40 some years. <laughs> All right. So you had, uh, you know, you mentioned contracts and, um, you know, that was sort of your start in, in that finance and contracts, but you've had a quite a varied career. You want to sort of tell me about the span of your career and what types of roles you've done, you've um, had here? Yeah. And, and this is what I think is one of the unique things that I experienced uh, or that I think HP as a company offers. And that is that they don't hold you to a particular uh, swim lane, right? If if you want to pursue other careers within the company, you can. So I felt like I almost worked for three or four different companies over my 36 years. So, you know, I, I did the leasing and contracts for a while. And, uh, and then uh, because I was managing a, a few people in that organization, then uh, I moved on to uh, a, a greater role in admin, um, the area sales support manager. And I did that for a while. I loved that. And then I, uh, I thought at that time that the admin organization was getting a little bit too bloated <laughs> and those jobs might not be there. So I had a unique uh, opportunity along with uh, a sales guy from St. Paul that many of you may remember, George Sabitti. And George and I both interviewed for uh, project management positions with the U.S. Project Center. And we were both selected to do that role. And and uh, that was uh, interesting because I think I spent a whole year training and going to meetings, mainly project management training and technical training, which I, I didn't have a technical background. And I never managed one project for the entire year. Just <laughs> not one didn't come along. Right. And and uh, but I, I was able to to take what I learned there to to do project management for a while. I did uh, uh, a couple of years a stint doing uh, consulting in quality and process, which that was probably the most fun I ever had with in an individual um, contributor job. Took me all over the country for into some interesting customers, and then uh, and then eventually I moved into consulting management and pre-sales, and I spent the bulk of my career in pre-sales, which was a great place to be at HP. And I think it probably still is. Yeah. And let's talk about that for a while. I mean, one of the things you did for a long time is that you were a, a manager uh, at a level where you had individual contributors working for you and you were working for uh, managers who were sort of setting direction for larger groups. And so you had a perspective for a long years and years where you know you you worked right with the individual contributors, but also the directors. So you could kind of see in both directions. Uh, what was it that about that did you, you know that you 
that sort of attracted you into that kind of a, a role? You know, you seem to be a really good fit for that. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate you saying that. I was exposed to a lot of great leaders over my career. And uh, I really felt that managing people was a good niche for me because I was never really a technologist and I didn't have any real skills. So management worked out well for me. I, when I think back, I, I had 19 managers over 36 year career. Only four of those managers were in St. Paul. And only one manager, I would say, was a bad manager, a lousy manager. And I only had him for a year and, and he uh, was not part of the St. Paul team. But if I think back at some of these exposure I got to some of these managers, you know, I uh, there's a couple, maybe three at the top of the list for me. And uh, first of all, be Paul Shermack. Paul uh, was the guy that brought me to St. Paul, and I only worked for him for a few months directly. I remember the first time I went into Paul's office, I was settled into the job and I was working and uh, working out okay. And I had an issue, uh, a problem that needed to be solved. So I went into Paul's office and said, Paul, I got this problem. And he looked at me and he said, okay, what do you think you should do about it? (laughs) I said, well, I, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. And he said, Dan, if you if you want to be uh, a good leader and you want to leverage the people above you, when you have a problem, certainly bring it to them, but also come with your own idea for a solution. And that uh, that was a tremendous amount of advice in a very short time with Paul. After I worked for Paul, I worked for Jack Wambacher for a long time, and Jack just he led by example. I really tried to emulate his you know, quiet, steady, and his genuine approach to his direct reports. He was just fantastic to work for. That was one of the big, um, one of the most difficult things for me to do when I, when I went to the U.S. Project Center and not working for Jack anymore. And then the third guy, most of the sales and um, pre-sales people know of him, Casey Choi. And I know you know Casey very well. Sure. And Casey's just outstanding leader, outstanding technologist. Uh, Unfortunately, he's no longer with HPE anymore. He's at Samsung. But I think I've told you this story before, but right after we acquired Compaq, uh, there was uh, an effort of the management team, this was in pre-sales, to select the executives in pre-sales would select which managers were going to stay and who they were going to manage and which managers were going to go. Because we obviously had too many managers for the slots we had in the new merge company. And I always joked that, uh, you know, Casey Choi being a, a um, Korean American, he had never met me, but my name, Lee, is the most <laughs> popular name in Korea. And I always joke, and I know this isn't true, but that he chose me off a, a spreadsheet because he thought I was Korean American too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure that's not true, but that's a pretty good one. <laughs> Yeah. You know, these three leaders and many other that I that we had in St. Paul, as well as other offices that I worked with, really helped kind of me to shape my leadership philosophy, my management philosophy. And and that's really that I always believe that my success and my sense of accomplishment was achieved only through um, helping the people around me to uh, be successful and feel accomplished. And and if I wasn't doing that, there was no way I was going to succeed. You know, it's it's interesting to hear you say that, Dan, because, you know, I worked for you for many, many, many years. And one of the things that, and I, but I also, like you, I had many different managers uh, over the time. And so I observed a lot of different manager styles too. 
And, you know, I won't necessarily say one is particularly right or wrong, but one of the things that I observed was that some managers would be managers of the system or the area that they're in. So like a sales manager, the thing that they focus on is on this sales results or a technology manager, did we create this product correctly? And so they're they're focused on that. And um, you were very focused on the individuals that that were your direct reports and and how those people were moving along in their careers as much as anything else and so do you think that 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 style came from the leaders that you mentioned or is it kind of just your nature how how did that come about it's a combination of both my earlier managers even before i got to st paul a guy like uh, bill fox in indianapolis and, and ron dopke and uh, they seem to be genuinely interested in caring about their employees. And I was fortunate to run into a lot of other managers that uh, operated. And I think maybe HB had a monopoly of those type of managers. And and I think that just helped shape me. And, uh, and it was a combination of two things, I guess. Um, when you spend a whole uh, a whole career basically as a manager, what are the some of the things that were really tough about that? What, can you think of the things that were the most challenging aspects? Yeah, I think that um, the most difficult thing as a manager in HP, it, it was relatively easy for a number of years because we just kept making money and and growing and growing and and uh, I always enjoyed interviewing people and hiring people and. And most of my hires were pretty darn good. There were a few uh, a few busts, but for the most <laughs> part, they were pretty good. And it was just, uh, that was great. But as the company, uh, as things got tighter and the company wasn't growing as fast and we had the pressures of managing with less resources, it got difficult as we had to let people go. It seemed like for the last six years of my career, we did it at least once every year and and if you're if you're laying off people uh every year for many years you're going to cut into the bone and have to call up people or meet with people and say hey you're you're great but i can't afford to keep you on anymore so that's the tough was always the toughest part about management is letting good people go how do you prepare for that as a manager who cared about people, right? You know, when you know you're going to have to do that, maybe you have a, I don't know how much notice you would normally have, you know, you knew, you knew this was coming, this phone call was coming. I mean, what are those few days before that that call like for you? Well, they were heart-wrenching, really. And preparation, you know, our, as a large company, of course, HR would prepare you, would give you everything you need to say. But that script never worked for me, to be honest yeah. with you. And uh, well, thank God, uh, uh, no one sued me after. But I didn't use the script <laughs> because it just didn't didn't seem to be heartfelt. And so I would just uh, try to deliver it how I wanted to hear it. All right, let's go back to talking about things that were that were more fun. I mean, I I know one of the things that was interesting for you was that you. As you said, you had a lot of managers that were, and a lot of employees that were all over the country, um, and so you you traveled a fair amount. What what cities did you like to travel to? What you know? What were some of your favorite places to go? And 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 then when you were traveling, did it make you think back on Larpenter Avenue and St. Paul? And you know, what differences did you, did you notice? 
for some reason, every year or every other year, I was kind of the odd man out. You know, one year I would have a team in the upper Midwest, and the next year I'd have all the telecom-focused pre-sales people across the country. And then one year I, I picked up southeast, southeast part of the country, and for a long time, when I first got into pre-sales, I had from from Minneapolis out to Seattle and and Denver. I experienced life in a number of different offices. And I'm not talking about, you know, fly in one day and fly home the next. I would go, in many cases, I would go and spend several days. And as a project manager, I managed projects in various parts of the country. So I was, you know, I went to places, spent a lot of time in Seattle and Denver and Dallas and Atlanta, which are all pretty large offices, right? And then I I also spent a lot of time in smaller offices, you know, Indy and Kansas City and Louisville and St. Louis and Oklahoma City. Even I spent, I did a project down there. And the one thing I noticed in the smaller offices, the employees were a lot closer and there was a lot more collaboration than I, that I observed. And the people engaged more in after work activities. One time I, when I was in Oklahoma City working on a project, uh, they said, okay, team building Wednesday night. We went to a, a shooting range. <laughs> I had never <laughs> shot a gun in my life. <laughs> so, uh, so that kind of stuff happens pretty naturally in a small office, but I didn't observe much of that in the bigger offices. And the, the thing about St. Paul, which I considered a pretty big office, we had the characteristics. We had people that were, um, that collaborated. We, we had people that did stuff after work together and everyone worked really well together. And, and uh, from the cleaning crew that would come in at night up, up through the leadership team, um, we all kind of knew each other. In fact, the cleaning crew knew my my kid's name because I think I spent too much after hours time in, in there talking with them because they usually came in about 5, 5.30. So, yeah. Um, but we did a great job in St. Paul of, I know people have said it felt like a family, but it was, it was more of a family like atmosphere than you would, than I found in any other large office. So I think that was what was really unique to, to Larpenter and something I learned in my travels. You told stories about how you started out as a young person. You've been with HP for a really long time and you saw HP go through a lot of changes over those times. So just play a little game with me. If Bill and Dave, we're just starting out now and just going to create their own company. It didn't exist. And they were going to start out. Would they succeed in today's atmosphere? Or have things changed so much that the things that they valued wouldn't work? That's a great question, Dave. I'm not sure I know the answer to that. There are a lot of things today that work against startup companies building great environments. And, um, and that is the whole culture of work at home demands from uh, Wall Street to produce numbers and and uh, become successful and I think it would be very challenging them for them to do that in this environment but you know if there are two any two guys that could make that happen now be it would be Bill and Dave for sure right and you know one of the things that they were if nothing else is adaptable and the it's amazing you know, they saw computers come into being uh, in the lifespan of the company and recognized it and made some changes in their business. And, and there's countless examples of them 
getting rid of a business, getting new business coming in, and they they very much changed with the time. So optimistically, I I mean I recognize all the challenges that you you voiced, but I'm hoping that it would work <laughs> that they'd find a way to make it work. Okay, another kind of fun question. So if you think about yourself as a a younger man heading into the career, you took a couple of risks. You you turned down a couple of jobs in order to take a job at HP. And then you made a move uh, to a place that you, you know, you weren't familiar with in, in St. Paul. If you could, th- if you think about your state of mind back in those days and things that you thought, things that you worried about and everything, if you could go back and tell yourself something, give yourself some advice of any kind, you know, business-wise, personally, whatever, um, wh- you know, as a young man, you know, what would that, what would that be? I took enough risks to make moves and changes, and I don't regret any of those. And uh, I would probably probably say that uh, I should have bought Apple stock. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I, I I would I wouldn't change much, but I would not have wanted to stay in the same place. It just wouldn't have felt comfortable for me. The easiest thing for me to have done was back in 1983 when I was uh, considering interviewing with Paul up up in St. Paul. The easiest thing for me would have been to stay in Indianapolis. You know, I was fairly close to family, had just bought a house. Um, it was it was a nice job when you know I traveled a little bit Cincinnati and Louisville and Indy. That would have been the uh, that would have been the easiest thing to do. But I just felt the need to keep exploring, keep uh, growing, and uh, and finding new places and new things to do. Well, uh, where are you personally these days, Dan? What's your life like now? I know you're retired, but uh, where are you, and and what keeps you busy? Well, as you know, I retired in 2017. It was a couple of years uh, earlier than I had planned, but uh, the company was reorging into uh, uh, a setup for the pre-sales team that I didn't really feel comfortable with. So I took that opportunity to retire a little bit earlier than I had planned, and I'm so glad I did. It was the best thing I have ever done, and I am still here in the Twin Cities, I live in Eden Prairie. And I have uh, I have four grandkids, age age ranging from fifteen down to two three year old twins, and a beautiful granddaughter in between them. And uh, so I like to spend a lot of time with them. Uh, Laura and I do get away for a month or two in the winter. It's just amazing how busy I am. <laughs> I don't have a job, right? But, you know, I like to go to the gym and that gets me out of the house and, you know, gets keeps my my muscles from uh, atrophy. <laughs> and then I, uh, I play as much golf as I can, even though in the winter, whether it's down south or on a simulator. I was just on a simulator yesterday. Despite all the time that I have spent in lessons and playing and studying the game, I'm still just an average golfer. I'm not that. <laughs> so, but I, as you know, I love the game. Besides that, you know, I get up early every morning and I'll spend two hours with my laptop in my sunroom uh, reading. And 
I have a huge appetite for news and for politics, and I don't like to get my news and politics from one source. So, you know, I'm reading this this the local paper, the Star Tribune. I'm reading the Wall Street Journal. I'm reading the New York Times and the Washington Post, and I'm going after links to try to understand why this person is saying that. So, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, although, I swear to you, I will never be a politician. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you joining me today. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, maybe when winter finally ends here, we can get together pretty soon and and uh, get something going. Yeah, that sounds great, Dave. And, and thank you to all the Larpenter folks that might end up listening to this. And, and uh, uh, it was a pleasure doing this. Thanks for listening. Larpenter Life is produced solely by me, Dave Carey. It's not affiliated or sponsored by HP in any way. Hey, if you're up for it, I'd love to have you as a guest. All it takes is a few stories. And if you can't remember any stories, just make them up. Who's going to know the difference anyway? So if you want to do it, please send me an email at larpenderlife at gmail.com. Until next time, take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.